Chapter 8 of Sam in the Suburbs by P.G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8. Sam at Bon Repose. Standing on the steps and gazing out into the blackness, Sam now perceived that in the interval between his entrance into San Rafael and his exit therefrom, the night, in addition to being black, had become wet. A fine rain had begun to fall, complicating the situation to no small extent. For some minutes he remained where he was, hoping for Mr. Breddock's return. But the moments passed and no sound of footsteps, however distant, broke the stillness. So, after going through a brief combination service, in which the names of Hash Todhunter, Claude Bates, and Willoughby Breddock were prominently featured, he decided to make a move. And it was as he came down from the steps onto the little strip of gravel that he saw a board leaning drunkenly towards him, a few paces to his left, and read on that board the words, To Let, Furnished. This opened up an entirely new train of thought. It revealed to him what he had not previously suspected, that the house outside which he stood was not one house but two houses. It suggested, moreover, that the one to which the board alluded was unoccupied, and the effect of this was extraordinarily stimulating. He hurried along the gravel and, rounding the angle of the building, saw dimly through the darkness a structure attached to its side which looked like a conservatory. He bolted in, and with a pleasant feeling of having circumvented fate, sat down on a wooden shelf intended as a resting place for potted geraniums. But fate is not so easily outmaneuvered. Fate, for its own inscrutable reasons, had decided that Sam was to be thoroughly persecuted tonight, and it took up the attack again without delay. There was a sharp cracking sound, and the wooden shelf collapsed in ruin. Sam had many excellent qualities, but he did not in the least resemble a potted geranium, and he went through the woodwork as if it had been paper, and fate, which observes no rules of the ring, and has no hesitation about hitting a man when he is down, immediately proceeded to pour water down his neck through a hole in the broken roof. Sam rose painfully. He saw now that he had been mistaken in supposing that this conservatory was a home from home. He turned up his coat collar and strode wrathfully out into the darkness. He went round to the back of the house with the object of ascertaining if there was an outside coal cellar where a man might achieve dryness, if not positive comfort. And it was as he stumbled along that he saw the open window. It was a sight which in the blackness of the night he might well have missed, but suffering had sharpened his senses and he saw it plainly. An open window only a few feet above the ground. Until this moment, the idea of actually breaking into the house had not occurred to him, but now, regardless of all the laws which discourage such behavior, he put his hand on the cell and scrambled through. The rain, as if furious at the escape of its prey, came lashing down like a shower bath. Sam moved carefully on. Groping his way, he found himself at the foot of a flight of stairs. He climbed these cautiously, and became aware of doors to left and right. The room to the right was empty, but the other one contained a bed. It was a bed, however, that had been reduced to such a mere scenario that he decided to leave it and try his luck downstairs. The board outside had said, to let, furnished, but suggested the possibility of a drawing-room sofa. He left the room and started to walk down the stairs. At first, as he began the descent, the regions below had been in complete darkness, but now a little beam of light suddenly pierced the gloom, a light that might have been that of an electric torch. It was wavering uncertainly, as if whoever was behind it was in the grip of a strong emotion of some kind. Sam was also in the grip of a strong emotion. He stopped and held his breath. For the space of some seconds there was silence. Then he breathed again. Perfect control of the breathing apparatus is hard to acquire. Singers spend years learning it. Sam's skill in that direction was rudimentary. It had been his intention to let his present supply of breath gently out and then, very cautiously, to take another supply gently in. Instead of which, he gave vent to a sound so loud and mournful that it made his flesh creep. It was half a snort and half a groan, and it echoed through the empty house like a voice from the tomb. This, he felt, was the end. Further concealment was obviously out of the question. 
Dully resentful of the curse that seemed to be on him tonight, he stood waiting for the inevitable challenge from below. No challenge came. Instead, there was a sharp clatter of feet, followed by a distant scrabbling sound. The man behind the torch had made a rapid exit through the open window. For a moment, Sam stood perplexed. Then the reasonable explanation came to him. It was no caretaker who had stood there, but an intruder with as little right to be on the premises as he himself. And having reached this conclusion, he gave no further thought to the matter. He was feeling extraordinarily sleepy now, and speculations as to the identity of burglars had no interest for him. His mind was occupied entirely by the question of whether or not there was a sofa in the drawing room. There was, and a reasonably comfortable sofa, too. Sam had reached the stage where he could have slept on spikes, and this sofa seemed to him as inviting as the last word in beds, with all the latest modern springs and box mattresses. He lay down, and sleep poured over him like a healing wave. End of chapter 8